is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. Turn, hand it off to Minner, hit in the backfield and drilled. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation, this is the KLIN Husker Hour. Right three called, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. Stocks got it! Underdog, and they have won! Exclamation point! Now your hosts, KLIN contributor Cole Stukenholz and KLIN reporter Matt McMaster. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. It is late July now. Nebraska still hasn't stopped going to get more football commitments. Eventually, they will have to stop because I don't think they can take 45 to 50 players. You know what? I was thinking about this. You think they can take 45 to 50 players? With, we'll talk about it in a sec. No. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. This is an actual conversation. This might be just a good segue. Let's get right into it. You're Cole Stugan-Holtz. I'm Matt McMaster. It's true. Um, they could, with the transfer portal and with, and with how crazy it is and like the frenzy, you could take way more than 20. 20. I feel like what? Agree or disagree with me here? Twenty five is typically the standard. Twenty five is yeah, that's, yeah. That's, of, of how many guys you typically tape? The max you can take in NCAA football fourteen. Yeah, for the PlayStation. And so, like, if you <laughs> that is very true. Um, and so, if you're losing a lot of guys, like typically, maybe you take more. Right. But it, with how the transfer portal has reshaped college football completely, you know that if you take forty every year, you're going to lose plenty of those guys. And then you're even going to lose guys from the classes above you. So I don't think there really is a standard number. I, like, I think the standard number now is different from the standard number that used to be pre-NIL, because NIL has changed everything. Well, there, there, I think, is actually a restriction, maybe specifically by conference by conference. I think there's a Big Ten number, but at, neither here nor there. Nebraska did get a new commit. We will run that down, tell you all about him. Position previews continue today. We are talking to Billy Kemp and previewing the wide receivers. Billy's the, I believe, only guy we've talked to all summer who was not on the team last year, correct? Piper was, Robinson was, Bork was, Buscini was. Yeah. Yeah. I, Am I missing anybody? I mean, it's... it it's Yeah, pretty sure. It's, it's pretty rare for... You know, for one of those guys to to be kind of the off season leader, but that's kind of what where Billy Kemp is because of all of his experience, production, everything that that um, and and we'll we'll kind of hear from him and 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 see and get his thoughts on that too. Uh, we've also got Hall of Fame Nebraska Hall of Fame class of 2023 announced. Some familiar faces in there. We'll uh, we'll talk about them too. Uh, but but I wanted to I wanted to regale you with this tale, and and you can relate to this from the experience of it. I have a different perspective now, uh, but we're in summer, right? We're in the summer months. We're, we not, we're not in school season, so you don't have school nights. It's, you're able <laughs> okay. to, you're, as, as a kid, of which I have four, you can stay up a little bit later in the summer. Hey, you don't have school tomorrow, obviously. Um, so, you know, go ahead and, you know, you can, you can watch... Uh, a little bit extra TV, or you can you can play your game in your room for uh, a little bit longer. Just keep it down, that sort of thing. So you 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 know you let the kids stay up, or you as a kid you get to stay up later and later into the night throughout all of the summer. But then you get back to school, sure, and all of a sudden, like hold on, 
I have to go to bed when? I have to wake up when? What was all this stuff you had me doing in the summer? What's that, What's the deal with this? It's It's kind of a jarring transition from what I remember as a kid myself and, and for the kids that we have now. And I feel like that may be what's coming for college athletes operating under pretty much no NIL restrictions compared to if we ever get to a point where you get some sort of legislation enacted by Congress that tries to rein it in, that tries to put it into a, a kind of more of a national oversight as opposed to going state by state by state. NCAA obviously doesn't want to touch it, but the, if, if there's, there is a couple of big in, uh, pieces of, of NIL news from this week. The most recent was the, the bill from the Senate that they're considering kind of putting through committee, which, of course, our Senate is you know, very efficient and cooperative, but they have this idea to create a new oversight entity that would apply to all 50 states. It would, have, it would require agents to certify with this group before they can represent student-athletes. This part's interesting, too. Athletes making $1,000 or more would have to disclose all their endorsements, but they would not be made public, nor could they be FOIA'd. So a couple of things. First off, uh, it's a bipartisan bill called the College Athletes Protection and Compensation Act. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, uh, I believe it's two Democratic, yeah, two Democratic congressmen, one Republican. The main parts of the bill, specific NIL parts of the bill, and this is from a Yahoo article. Uh, it permits school to restrict an athlete from entering a deal that is contrary to the school's code of conduct for moral reasons. By the way, BYU already does that. BYU is, you know, Mormon, and so right. they they have restrictions in with in which uh, students can't be hawking Mountain Dew out. There well, yeah, no, they can't do caffeine's <laughs> against you know whatever you know their their school policy, yes. so you can't do that. Prohibits compensation to be used for inducements with recruits and retention of current players. Good luck with that. Prohibits schools from representing athletes and NIL ventures and influencing an athlete's choice of a representative. Allows schools to prohibit athletes from engaging in NIL ventures that are concurrent with college athletic events or competition. I, I think it's cute. <laughs> I mean, I get it. I get it. Look, uh, Lane Kiffin went in front of the yeah. SEC media day and was like, look, the current state of this NIL and the transfer portal, it, it's how it is now. It's yeah. just that's how college football is. He doesn't agree with it. He doesn't think it's it's the best thing for college football. I, I sort of agree with him. Uh, and, and he's not afraid, and there have been other coaches who aren't afraid to admit that NIL has completely changed the way in which college football operates. Uh, this act, in a way, you know, tries to put oversight on that and tries to kind of, you know, hunker it down just a little bit. I mean, look, people call college sports now pro sports because of NIL and the free agency that the transfer portal has made, not only in just football, but in all sports. Baseball, basketball, volleyball, softball, across all entities. It is, there is free agency. But I would even go as far as to say, cool, that it's free agency on steroids. Because in pro sports, unless you are like the best 
player in the league. You can't force your way out of a four-year contract. You can't force your way out of a three-year contract. You just typically these athletes sign these long-term deals in which until you come up to the very end of it or it expires, that's when you can make your decision. Now, with NIL and the transfer portal and all those other rules that are have come together, it's you know, you have a you have a Student, student athlete, go ahead and be like, oh, I want this amount of money and I want this incentive and this is why I'm coming here. And then a year later, they're in the transfer portal doing the same exact thing. And it's, I think, what was it? A thousand players were in the transfer portal for football? Something like that. Yeah. Like, like, you know, ridiculous amount. So it's not pro sports. It's more, it's greater than that. And I see why the Congress now, from all people, are, are trying to. Put it, you know, I wouldn't say put a bottle cap on it, but try to restrain it a little bit. They they want to have more of an idea of what's going on. I think is part of it. The disclosure thing is is kind of one of the more more interesting things to me. Uh, and and to be fair to these particular senators, they have actually been working on the NIL legislation even before 2021, when the first state legislatures started passing those laws that allowed them to to make money and before the NCAA just put their hands up and said, okay, go for it. So these guys have a little bit more background than your average bear. Um, one of the, one of the things that, that I would ask you and, and interested to get your take on, cause I have a thought, I have a thought. Does the introduction of NIL, the, the ability to make the money off of your name, image and likeness, does that change the power hierarchy in any way in college football? Does does it does it prevent Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Clemson? Does it prevent those schools from just snatching up all the best players, which they were doing before anyway? Or does this maybe open avenues for other schools to get a little bit closer? Does it level the playing field at all, or will this just make the rich richer? What do you what do you think about that part of it? You look at recruiting classes. Georgia had the number one class last year. They have the number one class this year. It's kind of the same. Guys still want to win, right? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of the same old, same old. Uh, yeah. I, I think, yeah. I, I mean, there are certain players, sure, who are now going to schools that maybe they wouldn't have gone to because yeah. of incentives before. Um, but I don't think it completely changes the, pow- the, the pyre- power hierarchy necessarily uh, from school to school. I think that the players hold more power now. I think that's the hierarchy that changes. I think the players now have more power compared to administrators and coaches and whatnot. But at the end of the day, you cannot change this one thing. You cannot change this one thing I'm going to say. It's your play that controls the power. Mm -hmm. If a player goes out there, and we're really, you and I are kind of really specifically talking about recruits. But and how much money they make. But once they get onto campus, if they don't perform, if they aren't the guys that they they don't live up to their potential, they're not going to get as much money and as much gain financially. I mean, at the end of the day, they have to go out there and they have to perform. And so, and I think my biggest concern, I'll give you one positive or one negative for NIO My Light. My one positive is that your average to above average college athlete who may not have 
professional sports on the horizon for him are now going to leave college with no student debt and a nice chunk of change in their bank account. And that's pretty cool. They can strike while the iron's hot. Exactly. And they can go into life and start their new career without football, basketball, volleyball, softball, whatever, soccer. And they can have not only no debt, but a good starting point. And that's awesome. And that's incredible. And I'm the fact that college athletes got to have that, that's great. The negative, though, is that there used to be two questions that you ask yourself when you were going to go to a team. Is this the best place I can get to my potential to? Is this the place where I can become the best player I possibly can? And can I win here? How many games can I win here? And those two questions have now subsided to where is the place where I can get the most financial benefit? Where is the place that gives me the most consensus? And I think in the, in the long run, that lowers the product of college football because you have, or college sports in general, because you have more players who are not going to reach their potential because they're no longer going to the place that they think is going to be the best fit for them and that they think is going to make them the best player. They're going to the place that's just going to give them more money up front. And I think that is short-term game over long-term gain. And I don't think... That is the best for the individual athlete in terms of the sport. Not in terms of finance, just in terms of the sport. That's not great. It's funny that the NIL explosion happened at the same time as the one-time transfer rule came into play as well, where you can transfer without having to sit out, because it does let you, if you are a player that goes for the money first, and you don't maybe go to the best situation for you as a player system-wise, coaching-wise, whatever the case may be, it allows you to then find that right fit for those other reasons that and, and where money isn't maybe the most important thing at that point. Once you realize sure. that it's not the most important thing, it but, does give you that avenue as a student athlete to be able to right that wrong, if you will. Yeah. And and it's interesting that these two things came along right at the same time. But, and and I, you'll start to th- see that evolve as we go. Th- too. That, that is true. And that's a really good point. But at the same time, look at a guy like the coldest Crawford. Mm-hmm. He came to Nebraska. He got that NIL money. He did, you know, the the coldest AC unit. Didn't really get on the field. Well, he got hurt. He tore his ACL. But then I I think it was very clear that he didn't want to stay throughout the entirety of the Matt Rule era. And I don't know what happened there. But now he's at a much smaller school. And he's got to go and he's prove himself. I'm pretty sure he even said on a tweet that it's not all about the NIL money. It was Louisiana Tech. Yeah. He's going to play here in Lincoln in September. And maybe that's not like the best example, but there are players who have their most value now when they are recruits because they have so much potential. They go to the wrong spot. They don't perform. They don't end up getting on the field. Something goes wrong. And then when they get in the transfer portal, they're not as highly sought after as they were before. And so there is a little bit, yeah, you have a second chance, but your options are way less because when you're a five-star and you're just coming out of high school, that's big. But when you're a five-star and you just spent two years somewhere else and you didn't get out of the field, I mean, you still have some leverage. You still were a five-star. You still have potential. But it just isn't the same situation as it was before. It sucks when those players go through those situations, but they can serve as cautionary tales for the next generation. Sure, absolutely. I mean, players from his hometown, his home state, uh, players who are considering Nebraska, uh, that's, that's something that people can point to now and say, hey, consider this, consider that. Don't just consider the money. Every, you know, whatever you, you thought was the main thing then. Um, it's funny, we kind of buried the lead on the, the big Nebraska volleyball NIL deal. If you missed that, we'll, we'll tell you about that a little bit later on in the show. Uh, but right after this, we are going to get into our position preview. Uh, it's funny, you bring up to Coldest Crawford. We're talking wide receivers today. Billy Kemp, Billy Kemp the fourth. Be a good interview. Transfer over from Virginia. We've got him right after the break here on the KLIN Husker Hour.
giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Continuing our summer position previews, we head back to offense. Now we move on to wide receivers and here to join us. Uh, to help us break down that wide receiver group uh, and tell us about what his offseason's been like is Husker wide receiver Billy Kemp the fourth joining us here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Billy, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining. And, uh, hey, of all the players we've talked to, you're the first who wasn't on the team in Lincoln last season. Uh, tell us what your impressions of campus and the football program have been and, and, and why you chose Nebraska to, to transfer to. Yes, sir. Well, I'm going to start with that last question first. Um, I really chose Nebraska to transfer to just because um, of the family aspect that Coach Rule is building. Um, you know, working over this summer, uh, we've just been working to become um, more of a brotherhood uh, throughout the team. So, um, you know, arriving here on campus, the team has been accepting and, uh, you know, looking forward to hard work and hard things together. So, um you know, going over this summer, it's been great just building that brotherhood and that bond that's going to lead us into the fall. And what do you think of Lincoln so far? I like it. Um, definitely a small small, little, small city, but uh, it's definitely different from my hometown. But, you know, it's, it's nice to get away. So I'm loving it so far. Yeah. So, Billy, a lot of Husker fans may not know about how you got, you know, why you got that extra year of eligibility from Virginia. This will be your sixth year. In your commitment video, or your commitment post on social media in your picture, you had the numbers 1, 15, and 41 uh, for your teammates from Virginia who were shot and killed last November, Lavelle Davis, Devin Chandler, and Deshaun Perry. Uh, what do you hope to do this season to honor those guys, and, and what did you learn from them as as just a, being a man um, from, from your time with those players while they were here with you? Yeah, I've learned a lot. Um... You know, it was a lot of thinking being done into this process of, you know, moving on from somewhere that, that, you know, we suffered such a tragedy. But, um, you know, just the way I work every day, come into the facility and work. And, um, you know, just keeping your spirits high. I know Lavelle especially always, and Deshaun always had a smile on their face and, um, you know, really enjoy hard, hard work. So, um, you know, just having them by my side through these workouts this summer, um, this spring, I've been wearing number 15. Um, that's actually Devin Chandler's number. So, uh, I've been wearing that to honor him and hopefully into the season, I look forward to earning the opportunity to wear one for Lavelle Davis. So, um, those are some small ways that, you know, I, I plan on recognizing them and, you know, just having, that's just another reminder of them um, having them on my chest, close to my heart, um, every practice, every game, and uh, just the ultimate, ultimate re- reminder of who I'm doing it for at the end of the day. So, um, yeah, them, them guys are with me every day. That's a that's a beautiful answer, Billy. But uh, I, I got to ask you, you know, back to football. Um, you not a lot of and kind of Cole brought this up. You know, you're what you're the only person so far that we've talked to that hasn't you know played for the Huskers yet. And you know, people can watch the tape and they can watch your highlights and your illustrious career at Virginia. But I gotta ask, you know, for those listening, describe your game. What what do you think is is the best aspect of your game? What can Husker fans expect to see on that field uh, come fall? Um, 
you know, I'm just a versatile player that's looking to help the team in any way possible. Um, you know, I feel like I'm a great route runner. I have great hands. Um, I'm explosive, can make people miss. So wherever the coaching staff and the team needs me this far, um, that's where I plan to line up and do my best to, you know, um, bring back the legacy of uh, the Huskers and Nebraska football. So, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this fall. How's uh, how's how's been learning from Coach McGuire? I mean, I know you guys are, are are pretty similar in age. I know that always is brought up about about him, but you know, from what everyone's heard, he he's an absolutely stellar guy. But what from your personal experience with him, how has been learning from him and working with him and being coached by him? Yeah, everybody uh, always first brings up the age, but I don't. Um, you know, when we come into the facility, it's a workplace, so. Yeah. Um, everybody's here to really work and get better. So the age never uh, is a factor with me, but I, I do feel like they uh, don't account for all his knowledge that he's gained throughout his throughout his years. Um, you know, his path was different than everybody anybody else's I know. And um, just his, his experience being a player, a recent player, and a, you know, a high-level coach. Um, you know, he has a lot of information that, that you know, I always – Go sit with him, sit down with him when I can, just to learn from him every time I sit. Husker wide receiver Billy uh, Kemp. I learned. Sorry, go ahead, I finish that. Something. So, um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. He's uh, a great coach. Husker wide receiver Billy Kemp the fourth joining us here on the KLI and Husker Hour, helping us get ready for the season with a breakdown of the wide receiver group. Hey, Billy, scout some of your teammates for us. How is your group going to challenge opposing defenses, and and who are a couple of guys that you're really looking forward to playing with here this season? I'm looking forward to playing with the whole group. Alex Bullock, uh, Marcus Washington, Josh Leaks, Xavier Betts. You know, um, I'm not necessarily uh, focused on the season right now, but I'm mainly looking forward to going know, the brotherhood that we're building within our room and, you know, competing against each other each day, just pushing to make each other better. Um, I'm I'm really excited for that part of it. Um, We have... Very, we're a very, very talented room. So um, uh, everybody just working every day and challenging each other every day um, is what I'm really looking forward to for this upcoming season and this fall. Billy, you have a ton of, of young wide receivers that are going to be coming into that room. Um, Malachi Coleman, Bryce Turner, Jaden Doss, uh, just to name a few, and, and you know, you are a veteran. This is going to be your sixth year. You know, how are you looking to uh, be a leader for those guys? And, and and are you looking forward to showing them the ropes? Uh, yes, I'm definitely looking forward to showing them the ropes. But um, you know, if my going into my sixth year of college football, I just uh, plan to help them. You know, really get a a head start on the things that I didn't know and the things that I learned throughout um, all my years of college football, whether it's route running, um, studying film, studying the playbook, uh, whatever it may be, uh, they know that they can, you know, come up to me or call me whenever they need help with something, and I'll be there. So that's the uh, most exciting part for me is just, you know, spreading the knowledge that I've gained from different places and from these years over college football to them to really uh, head start their careers. That's for wide receiver Billy Kemp, the fourth, joining us here. Billy, you're top 10 in Virginia football history in receptions and receiving yards, but you also 
were pretty heavily involved in the punt return game in Charlottesville. How how uh, excited are you to maybe be a part of the punt return game here in Nebraska in 2023? Um, you know, that's one of the things that I'm most excited for. Um, you know, just changing the legacy and making explosive explosive plays whenever I can. And um, I feel like special teams is the is a prime opportunity to do that. Um, make game changing plays. So I'm really looking forward to, um, you know, the special teams part of Nebraska football. Billy, uh, have you worked with with Coach Ed Foley? And can you give us any any good little nuggets? He seems like a, an absolute just electric guy. Yes, sir. He is. He always brings a smile to my face every day. But he always has some knowledge. Um, you know, he's a tough, he's a tough and smart coach. So um, it's something I'm really looking forward to. You know, he has a lot of knowledge as well, being around great returners over his career and just uh, great special team schemes. So, um, you know, just going back and watching special teams film with him uh, as much as I can, and uh, just you know. Looking forward to what he has planned for me throughout the year. Uh, sitting down with him is always good. So I try to do that as, as much as I can as well. Do you have any favorite returners or, or any guys that you watch and try to emulate their game uh, in terms of from the special teams aspect? I think I'm pretty biased, but uh, my close friend Greg Dortz plays for the, uh, for the Cardinals, and oh, yeah. he does punt returns and things there. So, um, you know, that I, I definitely look. Uh, up to him and, you know, after his game, try to take, you know, what I can from his game and to add it to, to mine and then, you know, just giving him phone calls and, you know, um, any tips he has, any anything he looks for throughout the different weeks that a punter may do or the um, the, the return team may do. So, you know, um, he's definitely a, a good key, but, um, yeah, I think I'll say Greg Deutsch is my favorite returner right now. That's a great shout. Love that. <laughs> Hey, one more here for you, Billy, before we let you go. Um, Husker fans have been uh, without uh, a bowl trip since 2016. Uh, it's been a little bit of a downturn here for Nebraska football, as I'm sure you've you've kind of discovered here since you've been here. What can Husker fans expect from this year's team in terms of the way you'll compete, the way you guys are, are expecting to go out and play together and, and uh, go get some wins this fall? Yeah, um, they'll definitely see more of a brotherhood this year. And you know, just a relentless team in all in all aspects of special teams, offense and defense. You know, I feel like um we are focused on one week at a time with this group. So um we are looking to make each and every week our best week. So um, you know, with that just trying to bring back the legacy of Nebraska football, like I said, um, we wanna be respected and we're gonna work every week to do that. That's Husker wide receiver Billy Kemp, the fourth, one of the transfers in to this school from Virginia. Uh, and uh, Billy, we appreciate the time, and, and we're looking forward to you being able to uh, to honor Lavelle, Devin, and Deshaun with your play this season. Good luck in the fall. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. All right, Billy Kemp, uh, that's uh, the wide receiver group. We're going to be right back after this to break down the rest of the receivers, get you ready for the fall here right after this here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. Let's change the subject to someone.
Big thanks to Billy Kemp. Just joined us. Uh, if you missed that interview, Husker wide receiver transfer over from uh, Virginia, uh, make sure you download the podcast, uh, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, and you can also and, find and it watch on uh, Facebook Live as well. Yeah, we're uh, we're up right now on the Facebook Live. I uh, I'm going to apologize to the to the people on Facebook Live because it's going to be it's going to be looking like I'm looking at my phone the entire time during the segment, but I'm really just looking at your very nice. You make these for the for the listeners at home. Cole goes out of his way and makes these nice spreadsheets of uh, the position preview guys, <laughs> and uh, he he segments them into departures, newcomers, and returnees, and they're really helpful. And typically, I'm able to like email them to myself and then like put them on the computer so I look more official. For whatever reason, well, I know the reason. I was very busy this week. I'm a working <laughs> man. I wasn't able to do it. So it's going to be look like it's going to be looking like I'm texting someone the entire time. I'm just looking at your very nice spreadsheet that you sent me. So I appreciate that. You're welcome. Well, hey, let's uh, let's get into that wide receiver preview, the nuts and bolts. So departures, there's a lot of them, for good and for bad. <sighs> yeah. So uh, big big shoes to fill with Trey Palmer, obviously massive uh, single season record holder for receiving yardage, uh, was the deep threat in every game. And when Casey Thompson was healthy, that was a connection that you could really count on. Alante Brown, Omar Manning, Oliver Martin, Wyatt Lever, Brody Belt. Also departed. All of those guys at least saw the field a little. And then Decoldis Crawford, Camonte Grimes, Victor Jones, Sean Hardy uh, did not see the field, and they gone as well. Uh, returnees: Marcus Washington and Isaiah Garcia Castaneda briefly in the portal, then came back, missed most of last season after leading the team. Xavier Betts missed multiple seasons and now is back with the team. Multiple or just one? We played in the 2020 season. And then he played in that Northwestern. He had that touchdown in that Northwestern game 2021. Yeah, okay. So he just missed 2021. Yeah, he just missed yeah, 2021. Um, and, and then you've got Ty Hahn, Alex Bullock, Baron Miles, a couple other walk ons. Uh, but, but only those three at the top in terms of star, uh, scholarship guys. And then Billy Kemp, Joshua Fleeks, transfers from Virginia and Baylor. And then six incoming true freshmen at wide receiver. Malachi Coleman, Bryce Turner, Jaden Doss, Jalen Lloyd, Demetrius Bell, and Jeremiah Charles. Okay, let's run this. Just down. completely turned over this position. Absolutely. Let's let's. I'm going to go through this pretty quick. When you lose Trey Palmer, yep. the big thing that you lose is that not only, I mean, the the greatest single season by a wide receiver in Nebraska history, yep. but. I think the concern is how are they going to take the top off the defense now? Because Trey Palmer was an absolute burner. That's what he did best. Watch Purdue. Watch Iowa. Like Those games could show you how good he is at just taking the top off the defense, stretching the D out. And so you might be concerned, well, how are they going to do that now? I'm not. Because Malachi Coleman, Bryce Turner, Jaden Doss, Jalen Lloyd are all burners are all just incredibly fast, are all not only just fast football players, they're fast track guys. Mm -hmm. That's a whole other level of speed. And so am I saying necessarily one of these freshmen are going to have a massive role in the team? No. I'm not saying they're gonna, a freshman is going to lead the team in receiving. But I do think that one of these freshmen, Lloyd, Doss, Bell, um, Turner, or Coleman, are going to end up on the field. And I think that their role is going to be, hey, just go. Just run. Run deep. And if you beat them, we'll throw it to you. And if you don't, you open us up. And they have to honor you. they got to honor one of those guys because of their speed. And so, are all of them going to play? No. But I think that 
They could easily, and I know that some, like Bryce Turner doesn't necessarily have the most amount of football experience. Malachi Coleman hasn't played against the best competition, at least not during his regular season. Uh, Jalen Lloyd, uh, you you know, just all these guys are freshmen. It's a really different type of step up, right, from high school to college. Mm -hmm. But they have their legs. They have their feet. They can run. And I think that, are they going to have Trey Palmer seasons? Absolutely not. But I think they're going to fill those roles. Yeah, you, you can still scare the crap out of a defensive coordinator and make him put his safeties back if you hit on one of those in the first quarter of a game. Absolutely. Uh, and they all have the speed to do it. Yeah. it. It really and like that's why they recruited him. It doesn't matter how much football experience they have when you run four threes and four fours and like like those guys do, you're just gonna you can just get on the field. And that's why they were recruited. Yeah. And with with that, Matt Rule obviously has this formula where He's going to get guys with track speed. He's going to yeah. get them and put them on the field. The other thing he does is he skews more towards younger guys sure. in his first year or two uh, at Temple, at Baylor, if you look at what he did with those two other college football jobs that he's had. So not only the fact that you only have five scholarship guys who were here in the spring, and so there's there's openings in terms of just the two deep alone. If you if you consider that you might have three wide receiver sets, that's six wide receivers. There's only five guys on scholarship. Sure, you get, might have a walk on or two that sneaks in there, but if you are one of these incoming freshmen, number one, there's a there's a a spot for you potentially in the two deep. Yeah. Number two, this staff, this head coach, is already has already demonstrated a propensity to play the younger guys anyway because sure. he's a program builder and he's going to start from that bottom, from that foundation. And and if you are one of those foundational pieces that you can prove it as a true freshman, you buy into everything that you need to do with the practicing, all the off-the-field stuff, everything on the field when it's game time, that's going to go a long way and you may be the sure. focal point of this offense for a while. All right, let's move off this real quick. Yeah. I, I want to cut to the chase. Give me your top three wide receivers on this list of people that we have. Give me your top, who are going to be the three guys that Nebraska's going to lean on heavily here? Billy Kemp, the fourth. Marcus Washington. Xavier Betts? Wow. Uh, Is that that your hot take, or is that (laughs) you being skeptical? Well, yes and no. I mean, both. The, the, The thing with Xavier Betts is he has shown it, right? You've seen him do it against Big Ten competition. He's done it against Northwestern. He's done it against Penn State. Uh, maybe not necessarily in a in a full wide receiver route tree role, but you can. There's there are skill sets that he has that you can isolate and you can make work for you in an offense to stress the defense. He doesn't have to run that whole route tree to be effective in this offense. Um, the other thing is he has. A little bit of that speed that you refer to, and he has NCAA and Power Five and Big Ten experience to go with it. So he has a little bit of a leg up on the Malachi Coleman's and the Bryce Turners and and the incoming true freshmen that that could serve him well because no, Billy Kemp is going to get a lot of targets. He's going to probably have the most targets and the most receptions on the team this year. And Marcus Washington, Isaiah Garcia, Castaneda both showed flashes last season of of being dependable wide receivers. But Xavier Betts just has a different skill set than those guys. Like Marcus Washington's a big guy. Sure. Castaneda does a little bit of, of all of it, maybe. Okay. And he's more of a chess piece that you can move between those three. But I think Xavier Betts, to your point of can you take the top off a of defense? Can you scare the crap out of a defensive coordinator? And he definitely can. Back? Xavier Betts is the guy 
Definitely who's can. on scholarship, who's not a true freshman, that best fills that role. That's why I think it's, he could it's be just a whole year off. I wonder where right. we're at. That's that's why I did the, the yeah, kind of yeah. skepticism. Okay. Yeah, that that is the the thing that makes you hesitate because he has a little bit of a checkered past, and you don't know where he sits with this staff if they're gonna be ready to put him right in there or if they. Have I think he probably sits more favor- favorably with this staff just because this staff went out and and got him. Sure, and said, "Hey, we want we want you back." To you be know? fair, they did the same thing with Isaiah Garcia. Castaneda. They did. He was in the transfer portal, and they never they left. Went and talked to him, and then he came back. Okay, and he never left. Yeah. Here's my concern. Who are your three guys when you get your so? Team? So I'll give it yeah. to you. Yeah, I got Kemp, and then I got Washington, yep. which everyone should have. That should be your standard one too. And my concern there is because I think those are, and I, God, I hope one of them proves me wrong. I hope one of them makes me eat these words and, and just be embarrassed at the end of the year. What I'm about to say, but I think both those guys are number two wide receivers. I just think that. And I and I really like Washington. I really, really like Washington. And I would say, I'm going to go ahead and say right now, I am most excited to see Marcus Washington play out of anyone on this Husker team. Seriously. Yeah. Because I saw last year flashes of greatness. I saw flashes of greatness against Georgia Southern. I saw flashes of greatness with Iowa. I saw flashes of greatness when he played against Minnesota. I mean, he had... A lot of really good plays. I mean, he he looked. I mean, yeah. that Iowa game. He made a massive catch towards the end of that one. I think it was like when uh, we were up twenty four seventeen, or Nebraska was up twenty four seventeen, and they needed to get a third down. And he made yes. this massive yes. grab. That's I right. mean, he he has the potential to be a legitimate number one. Billy Kemp. I know, he's your slot guy. He's your last year. He had 116 yards receiving, and I think that kind of just gets lost in the translate. Very injured. Very very injured. Yeah. And not, and the worst part was is that it's not like it was a knee injury or an ACL or something that put him out of commission. It was nagging injuries. Yes. It was the ankle. It was it was something in the it just all year, and it really affected him. But even before that, his highest wide receiving yards in a season were seven hundred and twenty-five. Yeah. His highest receptions were seventy-four. And so, it, I think that they are both really, really good number twos. I don't think there's a solid number one right now. I hope one of them proves me wrong. I don't know who the three is. You got you got to pick one. I, I would say Isaiah Garcia Cascaneda. There you go. And then I'll give you a little little nugget here from the people that I've been talking to yeah. uh, inside the program. Please do. Billy Kemp mentioned the name of a certain wide receiver during our interview. And then someone came up to me and said, hey, that guy who I didn't really hear of before is, is killing it. He's playing really well. Like he... He's a dude you're going to have to look out for. He's a guy that, if you see him on the field against Minnesota, don't be surprised. Like don't don't be don't be like, who the heck is that guy? You want to guess who it is? Is it Alex Bullock? It's Alex Bullock. Them Bullock boys. John Bullock. Noise. John Bullock has has made a big impact in the in the media just because his name came out of nowhere from Matt Rule being like John Bullock. I mean that guy's a walk on, and now I'm pretty sure he's on scholarship now. Yes, he got a Bullock scholarship, and, and, and I think that most people who are around the program would say that Bullock probably is the leader in who's going to be that linebacker next to Henrich and Reimer. His brother Alex is making waves on the other end of the ball, being a wide receiver, and I have people coming up and telling me, "Man, this guy's legit." And then you got Billy Kemp, your perceived number one wide receiver, going on, you know, we're a media entity, going on media entities, talking about, I love playing with that guy. I love playing with Bullock. And then so 
that's both these guys haven't really heard of them before this season. They might both end up getting playing time. So I think that uh, Alex Bulk might take that little, you know, I, I don't really know what, what type of play player he is necessarily. I haven't really seen a whole lot of tape on him. I really didn't get his name mentioned to me until a couple of days ago. I'll tell you this. It, it sounds like, you know, last year when Wyatt, uh, Wyatt Lieber was playing, people were like, who the heck is this guy? And, you know, he was actually a pretty good player and a very hard worker. And, and there were a lot of guys who had more talent than, than Wyatt that didn't get on the field and Wyatt did. I think this is pretty similar with, with, with Alex Bullock. And I'm excited to see him play too and see, and hopefully, uh, this comes to fruition and people aren't like, what the heck was he talking about? And Alex Bullock never gets on the field, but them, them Bullock boys are making some noise. Hey, real quick, who's your, True freshman scholarship wide receiver who ends up with the most production this season. Uh, I, I'm going to go with Lloyd. Okay, but I really am excited for a Bryce Turner end around. I just want one okay. Okay. Bryce Turner end around and just see what happens. I really want because Bryce Turner's got the speed. Speed. Yeah. I, I want Rule to just give him the ball and see what happens. I'm going chalk. I'm going Malachi Coleman. I want to see it. I don't. I think they redshirt. I think him. I got it. I think he's going to redshirt. You think so? I think he's going to redshirt. You can. You can. I mean, it's possible that he may have the most production in in, in like three games and still maintain the redshirt. You know, they play him in the. They could do that. That's, that's, they could do that. But I I, I think they redshirt him. Order. I think that's probably the best for Malachi too. He's taken a massive step up from what he was playing yeah. in high school to what he's playing with now, and, and I think it's good for him to have that transitional period. And some of these guys have not played a lot of football. Period. Well, I think there was only Two. one. Jeremiah Charles is the guy. That sure. Said, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm, but I'm, I'm almost positive there was only like one ranked cornerback in yeah. all Nebraska, and I don't think Malachi right. played against him. Right. So, yep. All right. Uh, when we come back, uh, the Nebraska Football Hall of Fame class and another huge Nebraska volleyball commit. That's all coming up here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Talking with current and former Huskers and those that cover the Big Red. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. In case you missed it, Nebraska volleyball uh, out there doing Nebraska volleyball things. Deal with Nebraska Crossing and the 1890 Initiative, Nebraska's NIL collective one of them one of them it's the main one that's where matt davison went that's that's the one that advertises all over town if you see their billboards nebraska crossing has committed five million dollars over the next 10 years specifically for nebraska volleyball student athletes incredible Love it, especially for the volleyball athletes. And, and let's talk about the Omaha Supernova and the new Pro, yeah, pro Volleyball Federation right. team that's going to be uh, in Nebraska now. Look, volleyball is one of those sports where it, there's really not a pro scene afterwards. I mean, there's not a big pro scene afterwards in which, and there's not a um, big financial gain of going pro. And if you are going to have some financial gain going pro, you're going to have to go overseas. And while that sounds cool, you know, I think some people would like to stay home and be able to make money. Yeah, um, And so the fact that... Five million dollars over the next ten years going to volleyball athletes. We talked about put some put some cash in the pockets of athletes, especially Nebraska volleyball athletes, because they bring in a lot of attention. Look, they sold out a stadium, man. They sold out. They sold out Memorial, Memorial. Stadium. <laughs> okay, so if, yeah, if you're like, crazy. oh, they're not worth it. No, no, no. They're worth it, and and they're worth more, in my opinion. Yeah. I got a question for you, real quick. Yeah. Open up a bag of worms. I know we got to get to a break decently uh, soon, but when does uh when does the volleyball team start playing? Games at Pinnacle Bank Arena. I don't know. Five years? 
like full time? You mean full time? I don't know. If I don't know. If they want to do that. Would they sell out? They have. I, I got mean, a question for you. Do you think they'd sell out every game? Seventeen thousand. It would be. It would be more difficult for them to sell out every game. I'm not going to put it past them. I think they do it. I think they. I think they would. I think there are more. I think. I don't know what, how many season ticket holders they have, but I know they got a list. Yeah. No, they. I know they got people who would like to be season ticket holders. The they could sell. I think six thousand season tickets pretty easily. Six thousand more. Six thousand. On top more on top of what they have. The while while that is attractive in terms of just. A bigger venue, more people get to see it. You get more money at the gate. They have customized Avani so well for volleyball. They've got an intimate, more more kind of seats on top of you atmosphere than you would at PBA. They they've created that monster over there. I've to never the been to where, a game. I've never been to a game. Have you Have you been inside? And I'm and I'm to and, I'm, and I'm I'm a student, and yeah. I've never been to a game. And I know students have never been been to games sure. because it's it it's so hard to right. get tickets. Because yeah. if you don't get on the student list, which is pretty difficult to get on, you you're not going to buy tickets to the volleyball game because they're already expensive to go to. And I'm not going to spend. And I think most students wouldn't spend twenty thirty dollars. We're all poor. We're not going to spend that money to go to volleyball games. We probably wouldn't even spend that money to go to basketball games. We barely spend that money to go to football games. So. I, I think there would I, there'd be more students going to those games. I think there would be some benefit if they played in PBA. We got to move on. I told you, bag of worms. We got to get to a break soon. Tell me about Taylor Martinez. How cool was he to watch? Because I never really saw him. Well, before we get Taylor Martinez, just one more on oh, volleyball. Sure. The the Huskers got another commitment. Uh, the number seventeen national recruit according to prepvolleyball.com. It's Ryan Hunter. She's from Charlotte. Six foot two, left handed outside hitter. Uh, she came to Nebraska's camp. It was a two-day camp at the Vandy Center last week and loved it. Uh, the other thing that's intriguing about her, she has not played a lot of volleyball and yet is already a top 20 recruit. So uh, a nice little uh, nice little ball clay there for John Cook to mold into a potential uh, All-American outside hitter. Uh, let's do this. Let's take our last break now. Okay. And then we'll get into the, the tales of Team Magic and Taylor Martinez. I know that you're uh, very eager to hear. I never saw him play. Not even, not even beating Northwestern. Like I, I never saw him play knowing that's oh that's Taylor Martinez. Like that's you know an important figure in the school that I'm going to attend in seven years. You were you, know, were you paying? Years. Were you paying attention? To I was eleven years old. In, I was in 11. 2012. I was ten years old. I was watching the games. I wasn't studying okay. who was who. Because he had a nice little comeback against Northwestern in 2012. I was I was more con- I was more convinced or more worried about whether or not Johnny Knox was going to come back for the Bears back then than Northwestern football and who uh, they were losing to. Man, well, at 2012, they were actually pretty good. The then, life yeah. of Matt McMaster. Jeez. Johnny Knox and Johnny Knox and Northwestern football. <laughs> All right. Jeremy yeah. Langford. More on to Taylor Martinez and the 2023 Nebraska Football Hall of Fame class next here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. The 2023 Nebraska Football Hall of Fame class includes two stars from the 1910 Huskers. 
W.C. King Cole. Wow, what a name. And Leon G. Warner. That's even better. Yeah, yeah. King Cole was the coach. Gotcha. Warner was the quarterback. Um, also, UNO uh, All-American Offensive Guard Dan Klepper. Yeah, from I saw that. That's, that's really cool yep. that they gave a UNO. It's the uh, state know? of Nebraska. Yeah, it's not that's just awesome. Yep. That's so cool. Yeah, so th- those three guys, and then six former Huskers, including David Clark from the 80s, Troy Dumas from the 90s, played on some national championship teams, Sam Cook, whose son just committed to punt here. Really? Yep. Sam Cook has an awesome video on the uh, punters are people too yeah. type movement and how, or no, I think it was actually, no, it's not even punters, it's a different, he's got a different NFL Films feature. That's how I found out who he was about how he revolutionized yeah, kicking. I've he seen literally that. Seen that. revolutionized kicking in the NFL. Not a joke. Go yeah. look it up. Like yeah. the, the way the guy, Sam Cook, like made different ways to punt other than just hitting like a turnover ball. He yeah. would like spin it in different directions and like it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. So cool. The football nerd in me watches that video along with Peyton Manning's retirement video all the time. And if you are a football nerd, you should listen to the Brian Buscini interview we did a few weeks ago oh. where he nerded out about all the punting stuff and he actually has sam cook's number now that he's here at nebraska he does he can rap with him about punting um kyle vandenbosch defensive end from the 2000s uh spencer long who played uh on the offensive line here and then played with the the washington football team washington redskins at the time and last but not least taylor team magic martinez yeah i i uh most one of the most uh, lightning rod players in Nebraska football history. He's got a great highlight tape. Yeah. He's got yeah. a really good highlight tape. Like, He's I would fast. argue it's Tavon Austin, Lundell White, and then uh, Taylor Martinez in terms of my favorite highlight tapes that I've seen. So, Taylor Martinez, just as as his records still stand. So yeah, give them to me. Season record, 3,890 yards of total offense. 33 touchdowns in 2012. He's the last first team con- all conference quarterback Nebraska's had. Was uh, a freshman All American, Big 12 Offensive Newcomer of the Year in 2010. Finished his career with more than 10,000 yards of offense. And three years starting led Nebraska to two division championships. And were he to still be healthy in 2010, they probably would have won the Big 10 or the Big 12 in their last season in the Big 12, had a 17-0 lead against Oklahoma, lost it in the Big 12 championship game. But, so, to go back to 2010, after Nebraska had had this unbelievable defensive season in 2009, and Sue goes to the Heisman ceremony, they almost beat Texas, they have a record-setting defense, shut out Arizona in the bowl game. All of a sudden, 2010, this redshirt freshman who runs like lightning comes out and starts playing quarterback. And they didn't have Sue, but they still had Jared Crick. They had Levante David emerge shortly after that. Prince of Mukamara was a first-round pick after 2010. They were loaded on defense still. The 2010 roster overall, top to bottom, was probably Bo Pelini's best team. And Didn't he step on a guy's foot? He Somebody stepped on his ankle Ugh. in the Missouri game. And, and then he was not really the same. You had the collapse at Texas A&M with all the flags and leaving the Big 12. And it was that the, the... All the flags. The what saga, happened with the flags? I'll have to tell you later because we don't have time. But Taylor Martinez, just to tell you, was not just really fast. He was a really good football player. He was really tough. Yeah. And was not a very good thrower of the football. But when it counted, 
he delivered a lot. Real they, quick. Six, yeah. six sure. game winning streak in 2012 really, really floods back to my memories when I think Taylor Martinez. He, he's, he's got an incredible highlight tape. He accomplished a lot. Crazy, though, I learned about the, the requirements for this Nebraska Football Hall of Fame and mm-hmm. where you have to be either a first or second team all Big Ten selection. It got me thinking, there's going to be there's two quarterbacks who are really good, who are not going to end up in the Nebraska Hall of Fame, who hold a lot of records. And yeah. That's Tommy Armstrong and Adrian Martinez. And I think that is more of an indication of how great Taylor Martinez was yeah. to get those honors to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Two more position previews left, linebacker and quarterback. We will see you next week. Go Big Red.